Good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Let's stand to our feet and worship our awesome God together. Here we go. Where can we run? Where can we hide? Let's put our hands together just like this. Is there a place that we can go where you cannot find us? There when we fall. There when we rise. Nothing is hidden from your face. That's right. You know every breath we take. In your love. Your love has found us. Your love has found us. We are yours forever. Your love has found us. It's all around us. Holding us together. Nothing on earth. Nothing on earth, above or below, nothing in all the universe, take us from your love, you came to us, you gave us your all, you have redeemed us from the fall. Paid the ransom once for all. Your love, your love has found us. Your love has found us. We are yours forever. Your love has found us. It's all around us, holding us. One more time. Your love has found us. Your love has found us. We are yours forever. Your love has found us. It's all around us, holding us together. We will sing, and we will sing, because your love has found us. Even in the darkest night, we'll sing, because your love has set us free. We will sing, because... Your love has found us, even in the darkest night we'll sing, because your love has set us free. Your love, your love has found us, your love has found us, we are yours forever. Your love has found us, and it's all around us, holding us together. Your love has found us, your love has found us, we are yours forever. Your love has found us, it's all around us, holding us. We will sing, because your love has found us, even in the darkest night we'll sing, because your love has set us free. darkest night will sing because your love has set us free. Oh. 
thankful for the love of God today. Amen. We have many, many reasons to celebrate our Heavenly Father today. What He's done for us, it's just incredible. Thinking about how He pursued us and how Jesus died for us, even when our hearts were far from Him. I praise God for that, for so many things. Let's sing together. See, on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me. My Jesus set me free. Look at the wounds that give me life, grace flowing from His side. No greater sacrifice. What He's done. What He's done. Oh, what He's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. Sing for the freedom. Sing for the freedom He has won. Even death is dead and done. His life has overcome. Speak. Say the name above all names Over every broken place He is risen from the grave What He's done What He's done Oh, what He's done All the glory and the honor to the Son My sins are forgiven my future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. Now, on a throne of majesty, the Father's will complete. He reigns in victory. See. Hallelujah to the King. He's worthy to receive all the worship we can bring. What He's done, church. What He's done. Oh, what He's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. One more time, church. What He's done. Oh, what He's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. I praise God for what He's done.
giants come calling my name. My God is so much bigger than troubles I face. Why would I hunger for power or riches or fame? My God is so much better than all of these things. So I won't be shaken. I won't be moved. My God is faithful. His promise is true. So I speak to the mountain, oh, it's time to move, cause my God is bigger, better, stronger, greater than you. My enemies scatter, cause they know the battle is done. God is stronger. The victory's already won. Yeah, he died for my ransom and rose up on the third day. Cause my God is greater than God is bigger, 
Amen. That is awesome. Thank you, Elsa. Thanks, Matt. Uh, you guys are fantastic. Have a seat if you don't already have one. I see you do. Uh, so, hey, real quick, I just want to share with you a couple words. I'm going to share with you a verse of Scripture that I think is very, very powerful. Uh, it is one that I have struggled with and still not sure I fully grasp. Okay, But I want to share it because it is about dads, and today is Father's Day. And then I'd like to just share with you a little bit. I want to share with you something I wrote in my journal uh, on Friday and then yesterday. And I want to just kind of ramble for a couple minutes and lead us in prayer. Is that okay? Um, you know, God's just kind of working on my heart, my mind with some things. And there's this passage of Scripture that for me, I, I think, dads, we really need to pay attention to because it speaks to us. And uh, it says this, it says, see, and this is, this is how the Old Testament ends. It's like you read it and you're like, wow, that's not supposed to end like that. Okay. By the way, this is how the Old Testament ends. And we do not hear a prophetic word from God for 400 years, for 400 years, 400 years of silence. And these are the last words. It says this, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to, to you before the great and Dreadful day of the Lord. The, excuse me. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children. Okay? Now, some text, in some translations, it will translate that as parents. But the, the word is actually fathers. He says, see, I will turn... Um, I will turn the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And then uh, I will strike the land with a curse, uh, and, and then it just closes. I mean, what if I close the sermon like that? <laughs> I'm sure you'd be like, oh, I can't wait to go back next week and feel really encouraged. You know, it's like, you know, you know, the thing is, is that um, uh, just from me and I'm just going to try to speak to you from my own experience, because I know I'm speaking to other people who may be experiencing something similar to what I've experienced is for me in my life. I have felt pain. I know everybody in this room at some point or another in your life, you have experienced pain. Now, some of the greatest pain I've ever experienced um, was when my relationship with my dad was strained, okay? You know, and sometimes there can be a father wound in our lives. One of the most painful times uh, one of the most painful times of my life was 2016. Um, afraid that my wife had cancer. Um, afraid that for our daughter, who was in the hospital with an eating disorder, and they kept her there for 10 days because of her heart stopped. They were afraid they couldn't start it again. You guys supported us through that. You didn't judge us. You prayed for us. You loved us. The youth wrote her this huge poster that encouraged her. There was a note from Nathan 
from her womb buddy because they were both, Elsa and Joy were pregnant together. But just words of encouragement. But it was a painful time. It was a painful, painful time. I, I think about one of the most painful times of my life came three months after my dad died. Uh, it, it, was, um, it came three months later because for three months I felt nothing. I felt nothing. And then for a year, I could barely preach and I could barely pray without tears. And sometimes I still feel tears when I think about my dad. But also feel incredible joy. You know, uh, some of the greatest pain I've experienced has been agonizing prayer for my kids. I can remember Caleb going through a season where he was very lonely and didn't have any Christian friends. And I can remember agonizing in prayer for my son. I remember... In that time, I ran into one of my old profs, uh, Howard Hendricks, and I remember I was sharing with him what was going on. I remember Prof Hendricks said this to me. He said, you know, Gary, um, I'm going to pray for Caleb every day for the rest of my life. Um, Almost seven years later, or maybe eight years later, seven months after Prof. Hendricks died, uh, God gave my son friends who were like brothers. And they were with him in this wedding. And he's given him more friends like brothers in his life. Um, praying for our daughter Cass when she went through a season of loneliness. Praying for our daughter Faith when she went through a season of loneliness. And this last week, I got a text. I got a text uh, from Faith. And there were videos, and there was laughter, and there were smiling faces. And she was with five new friends and uh, that we've been praying for for years. We just didn't know it was them. We've been praying for these friends who love Jesus, who are following Jesus, and who are doing ministry together. And she just texted us these words. She says, I love my team. And then there were all these pictures of smiling faces and my daughter's right in the middle of it. I prayed for years. There were times where I agonized and I was angry with God. And I was... I was disappointed uh, with God, angry. Why? Why don't you hear my prayers? And I got that text this week. <laughs> and on Friday, I just wrote all caps in my in my in my journal. I just wrote, "Thank you, God, for giving faith friends." Christian friends, ministry friends, who love Jesus, who love her, who she loves to do life and ministry with this summer. You do hear. You do hear my prayers. Have you ever felt like maybe God hears other people's prayers, but he doesn't hear my prayers? I have thought that way.
I wrote in all caps, you do care. Because there were times where I felt like, do you really care? I wrestled with that. I struggled with this. I know I'm a pastor. You're not supposed to struggle with stuff like that. But I did. And I wrote, you do all things well. You do all that pleases you in your perfect time. Because my perfect time was a long time before. But his perfect time is this time. You are good. And you are faithful. Uh, Sorry. Maybe I shouldn't read to you what I wrote yesterday. Maybe that's enough. But just, uh, you know, for me... Some of my greatest pain has either been a relationship with my dad, although I've had great joys there too, and I'm going to talk about some of that later in the, the service. Some of the greatest pains and greatest greatest uh, joys I've had are in my relationships with my kids. And I know that I am not the outlier. I know that there are other people who have been where I've been. Maybe you are where I've been. And I know. This is what I know. God, here's your prayers. God cares. God does all things well. He does what pleases him in his perfect time. He is good and he is faithful. You know, I, I, I just think, you know, this is supposed to be a revival prayer, but I just felt like I needed to speak to this and pray to this because I really believe this is a lot of where we will feel revival when God brings it to our church and other churches uh, into our nation. Will you join me in prayer? God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are faithful. You do hear our prayers. We have never prayed a prayer that you did not hear it. God, we've never shed a tear that you haven't seen it. Lord, we've never felt great emotion, pain, anger, disappointment that you haven't been with us and understood. God, I don't know where everybody else is today. I know where I've been. And I know where you could lead me again in the future, but I know this. I know you are faithful. I know you are good. And I know you do all things well. God, I pray for every young person in our church, those present today, those who are absent for whatever reason, but I pray for them. I pray that you would bless each one of them, that you would put your hand on them, that you would grace every single one of them. Lord, I pray that you would teach each one of them the joy of following Jesus. And for them, it would be a lifelong journey. God, I pray for every parent who is struggling. Lord, encourage them. Give them grace. Give Give them your peace. Even when life is filled with turmoil. God, I pray for every person here today who maybe feels a painful separation, a loss of a father, or a strained relationship. God, I pray 
I pray for them. Again, I pray for grace. Lord, I pray for our nation. I see how sin and selfishness has torn apart marriages, torn apart families, torn apart communities. God, I pray for revival. I pray. I pray that revival will begin with me. God, help me to, to, to cast aside every single idol of the heart. Anything and everything that keeps me from following you wholeheartedly. God, I pray for our church. I pray that revival begins in this church. I pray for revival in every church in this community. I pray for revival at Parkway. I pray for revival at First Baptist, at First Christian, at Liberty Christian Center, at Experience Church. God, I pray for Mount Calvary, for revival there. God, I pray for Cornelius Bracey. I pray, God, for Holy Ground Christian Ministry that's just kicking off today their third service i pray god for revival i pray for revival there lord i pray for my neighbors who don't know jesus God, I pray that you would help Joy and me to love them, to serve them, to be a blessing to them, to be salt and light before them. I pray, God, that you would save them. And you would help us to do whatever we need to do to reach them. And God, I pray for spiritual awakening in this community and in this nation. And I pray this all in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Amen. Gary, thank you so very much. Before we continue in our worship, we're going to take a moment to greet the folks around us. And a nice icebreaker question, I think, could be, um, what are your plans for Father's Day? Uh, Carolyn is going to make her world-famous sour cream and chicken enchiladas today. So I am grateful for that. (laughs) So just take what time? Six? Five or six? Okay. Looks like we've got to make two batches. All right. (laughs) So take a a few moments to greet the folks around you, and we'll continue with our worship in just a second here.
All right, folks, let's make our way back to our seats. And you can remain standing. We're going to sing about our amazing and good, good Father. Let's sing, church. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm Never alone. You are good. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are. Yes, you are perfect. Wow. 
It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Let's pray together, church. Father, we thank you for being our perfect Heavenly Father, for being so good. Lord, your timing is perfect. Your ways are higher than ours, as Gary said earlier. We, during those seasons where we feel like you don't hear our prayers, where we don't understand your will, where we don't understand why we have to wait. Help us to put our trust in you because you are trustworthy and you have proven that time and time again. You have earned our trust, Lord. And you are sovereign and you see the big picture. You see the whole story. You're a good, good father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Good morning, church. All right. So I just want to start by saying happy Father's Day. Better yet, happy Daddy Day to all you dads out there. I feel like the word dad is way more endearing than father. And to be a dad is an honor. And to be a good dad is a huge, huge blessing in your children's lives. So to all you good dads out there, I just say happy Father's Day to you and just keep doing what you're doing. Your kids need you so very much in their lives. In honor of Father's Day, I have a corny dad joke I'd want to start off with. Yes, thank you, Matt. I need you to prove of that. What did the seal with one fin say to the shark? If seal is broken, do not consume. All right, okay. So, good, okay. Um, so, I want to start off today with talking about something that's important to us here at Solano Valley, and that is connection. Um, and in order to connect, we uh, would love for you guys to look into our SVC app. There's a list of groups that meet. There's groups for couples. There's groups for women. There's groups for men. There's groups for young people, um, youth in our church. And that is a great way for us to grow in our faith, in our walk with Jesus, to learn and speak with others who believe and are doing the same thing that we're doing. We do life together. It's better that way. Um, if you go on our SVC app, you can find those groups. You can also find ways to serve and plug into our church and use those gifts that God's given you. Um, also, another way to connect is with our, one of our pastors, either Pastor Gary or Pastor Matt. They love coffee, it turns out. And every Wednesday afternoon, you can find them at Journey Coffee on Chadbourne Road at 4 p.m., waiting to give you a cup of delicious coffee, and you can talk to them about whatever you want. So you can ask them those burning, pressing questions. You can talk to them about maybe some verses that you've been challenged with and get some answers on that. You can talk to them about maybe some ministry ideas that you have that you've been thinking about. Um, if 4 o'clock Wednesdays don't work for you, talk to one of them, and I'm sure they would arrange a different day and time. They're very open and available guys. So um, take the time to get to know them if you have not already. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is our church is going to be hosting a Red Cross training event here on Thursday, June 30th at 7 p.m., so what this is, it's a, a disaster preparedness um, class for our community. 
This is a great way for us to open up our doors to invite our neighbors and our friends to come on in. We're going to be, they're going, or not we are, but the Red Cross will be teaching us about home fire safety, wildfire safety, and earthquake safety, which unfortunately, living in California, those are things that we deal with, uh, especially lately the wildfire issues um, in our community. And so this is a great way for us to learn about preparedness and also a way for us to invite people to come to a church, to come inside and see that it's not a scary place. And that it gives us a chance to just show that warmth that we have um, here at Solano Valley. Um, you can grab a flyer on the back table on your way out. There is a QR code you can scan on there, and you can pre-register or RSVP on there. You can also take some of those and hand them out to your neighbors. Um, lastly, I wanted to talk about our worship through giving. Uh, we have the honor of worshiping God with our offering. We want to say thank you to all of you who so generously give each and every week. And um, there are five ways that you can give. Excuse me. Number one, you can go online at uh, solanovalley.org backslash giving. You can tap give on our SBC app. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can text the word give to 707-883-3019. Or you can deposit your check in the mail slot on the back wall. Finally, I want to end with one more dad joke. Okay, what state offers the smallest drinks? Minnesota. Okay, all right. All right, God bless you guys. That's, that is fantastic. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much there, uh, Jen. I appreciate that. By the way, what is the only Bible, or excuse me, the only state in the Bible? Noah looked out of the ark and saw. Arkansas. What? Okay. All right. Uh, speaking of Arkansas, uh, yesterday beat Stanford in baseball, 17-2. to uh, But Stanford still gets a chance to play again, all right? All right. So it uh, has nothing to do with anything. Uh, you know, wanted, wanted, wanted. There's something wanted, okay? I want to bring this to your attention. Wanted. Dads who can, wanted. Dads who can be the perfect provider, the perfect protector, Sensitive and able to hold the hand of his wife with an understanding tear in his eye as she shares her deepest feelings. Able to throw strikes to his little league age son and or tomboy daughter and train them to hit home runs that one day, one day will propel them to be big league ball players that will make Barry Bonds look like he should have never picked up a bat. Okay? Wanted, wanted, there are dads that are wanted. Not ordinary dads, but extraordinary dads. Wanted, dads who can teach Sunday school, tend the nursery and change diapers while quoting the Bible backwards and forward, uh, able to organize men's retreats, father and son, or father and daughter events. Wanted, dads are wanted, okay, wanted. Dads who can mow the yard, I can if I'm not riding my bike, okay? One time, a buddy of mine came up, looked at my yard. He's a cyclist. He looked at my yard. He says, Gary, you've been riding your bike too much. Wanted. Dads who can mow the yard, do the laundry, fix the leaky faucet, paint the house, solve world hunger, put an end to climate change, establish world peace forever, at least in our house, and then take their wives out for a romantic evening and do it all in a single day. 
wanted, wanted. So, you know, guys, there are things, those of you who are dads, those of you who one day maybe will be a dad, uh, those of you who are grandfathers, there are things that we can do, right? Right? There are things we can't do. Can we agree to that? There are things that we can do. There are things that only God can do. Can we agree to that? But I also think there are some God-possible things that God-possible dads can do when they learn to follow Jesus and live the Christ life while they walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that there are God-possible things that we can't do, no, not just through trying. We, you know, this isn't supposed to be a message of moralism. So easy to turn a Father's Day message into a message of moralism. I want today's message to be a gospel message. I don't want it to be about my power or your power, but about God's power. I don't want it to be about just what I can do, but what God can do in and through me. I have watched God do things through me that I never dreamed possible. I have seen this. I shared the story, I think, a couple of weeks ago about a 19-year-old kid standing in front of a high school football team, sharing the gospel with them, and 27 of those 78 guys prayed to receive Christ. I was 19 years old. Actually, I was 18, almost 19. I was a turtle on a fence post. Okay? When you look at a turtle on a fence post, you don't look and say, wow, that turtle is really good at climbing fence posts. When you see a turtle on a fence post, you look and you say, you know what? Someone put that turtle on that fence post. That's who I was. That's what I was. I think there are things that we can do when we learn to follow Jesus and we learn to walk by the power of the Spirit that we can't, that we couldn't have done before. So, real quick, there are God possible things that God possible dads can do when they learn to follow Jesus and walk in fellowship with the Spirit. Are you interested in knowing more? By the way, those of you who are moms, those of you who are wives, those of you who are just women, maybe you're not married, whatever, I think almost everything I say here has relevance for you. It does. This isn't, yeah, this is being focused towards dads. But if you really listen well, I think everything I say here will have relevance for you. Okay? So, real quick, God's instruction to dads. This is not in our slides uh, today. R- Rich, I forgot to put them in there. Uh, but I, I read a verse just last week. This is a verse I've read, I don't know. I mean, I have read it dozens of times. I may have even read it a hundred times. I really don't know. And I, every once in a while, I'll read the Bible and I'll look, and I'll read this verse, and I'm like, oh, wow, who put that there? You know? I mean, I've read this before, and it wasn't there before. But sometimes I'm reading through the Bible, and all of a sudden I read something, I'm like, you know, it's like it begins to flash in neon lights. And my Bible began flashing this week. And I was reading this verse in Genesis, and it says, "For And God here, it's real interesting, it's a very interesting conversation uh, between God with God. All right? Now, in the Old Testament scriptures, we don't have a well-developed understanding of the Trinity. In the New Testament, we understand that God has revealed himself in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But God is conversing with himself in the hearing of Abraham. And he's talking about something really different. And that's the reason I've never really paid attention to this verse. But this week I was listening to it, and I was reading it, and I was reading it as a father. And I read this. 
And God is speaking to himself, and he says, For I have chosen him, Abraham. I have chosen him. Now, everybody here, did y'all know that God chose Abraham? Anybody, is that new to you? Oh, yeah, okay. What do you choose Abraham for? Okay, what do you choose him for? He told Abraham that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. He told Abraham he was going to give him this land, or he was going to give it to his descendants. He told Abraham lots of things. But here, it's just something really different that I hadn't really noticed before. It says, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him. By the way, this is the single most important work of a dad. This is, God has chosen every single dad in this room. He's chosen each one of us, and he's chosen you and me for a purpose. It isn't for me to be the best pastor in the world or the greatest preacher who's ever preached. It isn't for me to write lots and lots of books. It's not, it's, it's, you know, he hasn't chosen you for a career field. Did you know you were not chosen for a career field? By the way, every single person in this room has been chosen by God if you're a follower of Jesus. You've been chosen. You've been chosen to follow Jesus. You've been chosen to become like Jesus. And those of you who are dads, you've been chosen for a holy purpose. For uh, I have chosen him, says God, so that he will direct his children. That's his children. That's what it means, his children. The most important work of Abraham was with his children. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. That's what God chooses dads for. Now, some of you might say, oh, no, 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 Gary. That's just a specific verse given at a specific time about a specific person in a specific set of circumstances. That's not for me. All right. Well, maybe it's not. But I'm pretty sure this one is. It's in the New Testament. By the way, it's very interesting. It's almost similar to pattern death. It almost looks like the same God wrote this. It almost looks like he came from the same God. Maybe it did. What do you think? I think so. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, by the way. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Sometimes we as dads, we can do things that are exasperating to our kids. Don't do it, okay? I've never had a problem with that. But anyway, I've heard it's a problem with some dads, okay? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Wow. Bring them away again. I thought that was mom's responsibility to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I thought that was her responsibility. I thought my responsibility was to lay on the sofa and watch golf. No. Who wants to watch golf? Football, yeah. or maybe, I don't know, the Tour de France, all right? Or maybe, you know, I don't know, a really good war movie where things are blowing up and people are shooting and stuff, okay? So, no, no, dads, we have been given this responsibility. Oh, let me, let me change that. We've been given this privilege. See, it is a privilege for us to bring up our children in the training and the instruction of the Lord. God wants fathers. By the way, you know how we started this? I said wanted. God wants. Okay? God wants. Wanted. Wanted. 
God wants fathers. God wants, and some of you are like, oh, my kids are grown up and out of the house. God wants grandfathers. You don't get to pass this one off. See, you're still a dad. You're going to be a dad the rest of your life. If you're a dad, you're going to be a dad the rest of your life. The way you interact with your kids is going to be different. But you're going to interact with them either in good ways, in healthy ways, or not good ways, not healthy ways. But what God wants for us is God, God wants fathers, grandfathers to lead their families. Wants us to lead our families so that our children and grandchildren will keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. That's what God wants. God wants that. Now, this is not a moralistic message. This is not something you can do on your own. This is not something you can do by trying harder. Okay? It's not. This is something that cannot be done by trying, but it can be done by training. Do you understand the difference between trying and training? I can go out and I can try to ride my bike 100 miles. I've done it before. Okay? I can go out and I can try to ride my bike 100 miles. Right now, my back is sore. I can't do it. But this is what I can do. I can train to ride my bike for 100 miles. And there are things that we can do as we are trained by Jesus, as we are following Jesus, keeping in step with Jesus by walking by the Spirit, things that we would have never thought we could do before. So how can we be God-possible dads? And I want to give you a few things. I said a few because if I tell you how many, you're going to be like, no, please, Gary, not that. Okay, so uh, a few things. Number one, this, okay? Number one, number one. First thing, this. Follow Jesus in all things. That's the first step. If you want to be a God-possible dad, you have to follow Jesus in all things. Now, why did I say in all things? Because sometimes we're very comfortable following Jesus in some things. But a disciple is someone who's learning to follow Jesus in all things. Luke 6.40, what does it say? It says, it says, it says um, no disciple is greater than his teacher, but every disciple fully trained will be like their, uh, their teacher. We, in, in, when you read through the book of Matthew, it ends by saying this. It says, uh, it says, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations. By the way, you know what it means to be a dad? It means to go and make disciples. The first place of discipleship is the home. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded you, not some. Follow Jesus in all things. Whoever wants to be my disciple, says Jesus, must deny themselves. It requires some sacrifice. Okay, I'm just going to tell you that. Okay? Uh, Following Jesus is not always easy. And sometimes Jesus, we, we see adversity and we're like, I'm allergic to adversity. I want to go over here. But following Jesus means that sometimes we enter adversity. And that's very clear. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. See? See, there is adversity in following Jesus. There is sacrifice in following Jesus. There is pain in following Jesus. This is the message that needs to be preached a lot more in the church in North America today. Okay? A lot of people want the American dream with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in. By the way, that preaches really well. Because that's what itching ears want to hear. But what Jesus says is something very different. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. 
So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Real quick, this is my definition. Following Jesus is a walk of daily surrender. It's not like you surrender and then you just, you know, you're done. See, a lot of people, we talk about receiving Christ. We talk about believing in Jesus. We talk about being baptized. All those things are important. But I have to surrender today. It's not like I surrendered then and now I'm done. No, no, no. I have to surrender today. And tomorrow I have to surrender tomorrow. And the next day I have to surrender. And the day after that, I have to surrender. I have to surrender daily, daily to Jesus. See, following Jesus is a walk of daily surrender. It's a surrender. Oh, by the way, it's a joyful surrender. It is, it's not a dreadful surrender. It is a joyful surrender. I should have put that in here. It is a joyful surrender to the Lordship of Christ. It is a walk of being led by the Spirit, keeping the step of the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, so that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, walking by the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit or the Christ life becomes more and more evident in our lives. Now, gentlemen, when we are living like that, we become a blessing. To our wives, we become a blessing to our friends. We become a blessing in our community. We become a blessing. If you're a Republican, you become a blessing to a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, you become a blessing to a Republican. You become, uh, you become a blessing to your Asian neighbor, your black neighbor, to your Hispanic neighbor, to your white neighbor. You become a blessing to your children. Your children. And you become a blessing to your grandchildren. See, everything begins with following Jesus in all things. Now, I could just simply say, amen, we're done. I'm not. Number two, love your wife. Love your wife. By the way, loving your wife always involves sacrifice. Loving your wife always involves sacrifice. Why do I say that? This is what the Bible says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, our, our model for being a husband is not Clint Eastwood or, I don't know, who's, who's the big guy on the screens nowadays? Who, whatever the, the movie star, what's the guy in Uncharted? Yeah, Tom Holland, you know, or Marky Mark. You know, it's not, you know, it's not any of those guys. Those guys are not our, are not our models of manhood. Our model of manhood is Jesus. And what does Jesus do for his bride? He lays down his life for her. By the way, you know, you know, dying for someone, you know, I can do that. I, I, I could under the right circumstances. I can do that. But dying day by day. Several times a day to my wife and putting her first. Man, I, I, I'm just going to tell you the greatest gift, and I've told this to you before, but I'm going to say it again. The greatest gift my dad ever gave me was the way he loved my mom. The way he loved my mom. You ask my kids what stands out to them about their papa, and they'll probably tell you, well, he made me laugh. He loved my Nana. That's what my kids are going to tell you. He made me frustrated. Then he loved my mom. Okay? Uh, Now, 
I'm, I'm just kidding there. But my, my dad, he could make you laugh. He was very warm. People loved him. But what he really did well is he loved my mom. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wife. Number two. Number three, if you want to be a, a God possible dad, number three, teach your children. Here, teach your children well, obviously. Okay? I think there's a song like that. Uh, teach your children to love well. Okay? To love well. Now, let me explain this to you. Let me go back to this verse. We've already talked about it a little bit. But it says here, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Okay? So, so now some of you are like, gee, Gary, it sounds like you want me to be a pastor. Well, I do. You know? But more importantly, God does. All right? God wants you to be a pastor to your children. He wants you to shepherd your family. And, and and what that looks like is, you know, the idea of bringing my child up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. I haven't been to seminary. You don't need to go to seminary. You just need to follow Jesus. You just need to to follow Jesus. And and you know, um, and and you know what, you know, what, what 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 do I need to teach my children from the scriptures? I'll, I'll give you two things. Can I give you two things? It's a lot easier to remember this. Uh, once a, there was a religious leader who came to Jesus and he said, what is the most commandment, most important commandment in all the Bible? What did, what did Jesus tell that man? Yeah, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? And then what did he say? He said, there's a second like it. To what? Yeah, love others. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. All kinds of neighbors, not just the ones I like, but love my neighbor's. Uh, as I love myself, or the way I want to be loved. So, and then Jesus said this really profound statement. He said this. He said, these two commandments basically summarize all the law and the prophets, everything written in the Old Testament Scriptures. So, everything else that we read in the Bible is simply an illustration or uh, it is an exposition of what it looks like to love God and looks like to love other people. Teach your children to love well. Okay? Number four, build up your family with encouraging words. This is so important. So important. It bugs the heck out of me when people say, I just speak my mind. And I'm like, well, you need to fill your mind with better stuff. All right? So sometimes I I get a great idea for a sermon. I write it down. I look at it and I think, oh, my goodness, that was terrible. Some of us, we need to write down what we think before we just blurt it out. Because words can heal and words can, can harm. Okay? They can heal and they can harm. The Bible says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other. Now, this is talking about in the context of the church. But, by the way, in, in the New Testament times, churches were typically made up of family and extended family. And then friends that you lived with like family. Okay? That's what the New Testament church looked like. And, and, and so uh, what the Bible says is encourage one another, build each other up. And our words should build up and encourage our families. The Bible says this in Proverbs twelve eighteen. It says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. There are some moms, some dads who are reckless. They are reckless with their words. 
And the thing is, is sometimes we feel the wounds of those words for a lifetime. Um, build up your family with encouraging words. By the way, this is not possible for me. But it's God possible. It's not possible for me. I, 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 my words have wounded people that I love dearly. But my words have also built up people. And, and, and it's only possible as I am surrendering daily to Jesus, following him in all things. It is God possible. Build up your family with encouraging words. Uh, number, uh, number five. This is why I didn't tell you how many points I had. Number five. Lead the way in worship. Lead the way in worship. This is what the Bible says, Psalm 96, 1 through 6. It says this. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. It's talking here about the worship of God. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. How, how often should we worship God? Daily. Day after day. It's not, oh, I went to church on Sunday morning. By the way, you can go to church and not worship, all right? Worship is what we do daily. Uh, it, but, but sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deed among, uh, deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. This is the reason why we praise and worship God. Because he deserves it. Not because I feel like it but because he deserves it. For great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. By the way, this little psalm I just read to you, I read these words. I read these words on September the 11th, 1994. September the 11th, 1994. I remember reading those words. And I remember weeping and worshiping God. And then I remember going to B. Gail Wilson Elementary, setting up the library for our very first public worship service. And I remember, I remember, I remember Matt singing uh, The Great Adventure by Stephen Curtis Chapman. And then I remember preaching my very first sermon the kicking off of a new series called Home Improvements that was on family. Worship. Lead the way in worship. You know, very quickly here, let me, let me just say this. Some of you are like, okay, okay. Why do we worship? Because, because God deserves our worship. He, he deserves our personal worship every day. He deserves our corporate worship every week. Uh, he deserves the best I have to offer. Why do we worship? Because God deserves the best I have to offer. Why do I worship? Because God deserves my worship. My spiritual vitality is dependent on my worship. If I'm not worshiping, my spiritual vitality just goes like this. And yours does too. I guarantee you. If you are in the cellar, one of the best things you can do is worship God. By the way, you can worship and weep at the same time. I've done it. Um, I need to worship. Because if I don't worship God, I will worship something else. And whatever 
I worship, whatever you worship, is what you will become like. If I worship money, I'll become greedy. If I worship power, I will become ruthless. If I worship Jesus, I will become gentle and humble. The priority of daily and weekly corporate worship is essential for spiritual vitality. And the example of the consistent practice of worship shapes our children and, and in powerful ways that we don't understand. Listen, I, I want to make sure I get this right with you. I want you to hear these words. This is very important for you if you're a parent whether your children are still at home or not. Consistent worship, consistent worship is no guarantee that your children will follow Jesus. Just, you know, if you're struggling right now, I'm just going to tell you straight up, consistent worship is no guarantee that your children will follow Jesus. But I will tell you this, the more hit and miss your worship is, the more hit and miss your worship is, the more likely it is for your children to walk away from Jesus. i just tell you straight up. If it's not a weekly priority to be in corporate worship, if it is not a daily priority, I guarantee you, you're going to see it play out in your family. I love you. I love you. I want the best for you. So I'm going to tell you the truth. All right? I want to say it in humility. I want to say it with grace. But it's just simply the truth. Number six, I know. See, see, this is why I didn't tell you how many points I had. Because I actually have a sixth one. Okay, I'll, I won't do the other six, okay? I'll just do this one. Live life at the pace of Jesus. Why do I need to say this? Because busyness, busyness is destroying our families. Live life at the pace of Jesus. Why? Because busyness is not a badge of honor to wear. Live life at the pace of Jesus. Now, why do I say the pace of Jesus? Well, first of all, the Bible says this. Jesus says, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, I'm not a shepherd. Well, not a sheep. I am a shepherd, a spiritual shepherd. But this is what I've observed of shepherding. I, I haven't seen a lot of it. I have been to Israel. I've seen a little bit there. You know what happens with the sheep when the shepherd is leading them? The sheep don't run ahead of the shepherd. Did you know that? They don't run ahead. And they don't lie behind. They just kind of, they stay there in a little clump following the shepherd. It's amazing. See, see, living life at the pace of Jesus, not rushing ahead of him, not lagging behind. It's like the dad, he tells the son to mow the yard. And, you know, and then he does, you know, dad, the son says, sure. And then he starts to walk out the door. Just out of the couch and watches baseball. And dad comes back, says, You know, you gonna mow the yard? Not lagging behind. Not lagging behind. Living life at the pace of Jesus. Worldly business, busyness, worldly busyness is a frantic rush on a meaningless treadmill that will chew you up and spit you out while Satan laughs at you. 
laughs at your pain, your brokenness. Everybody, real quick, got to get this. I want, I'm going to make sure this is very, very clear. Everybody goes through seasons of busyness. I saw this a lot with my grandfather. I saw it with my uncles who were farmers. Farmers can teach you a lot about life if you'll watch and listen. Everybody goes through seasons of busyness. When, when, when it's time to sow, you sow. It doesn't matter if you wake up in the morning and you have a sniffle and you don't feel good. You get up and you sow the seed. When it's time to harvest, you get up and you harvest. I don't feel like it today. Who cares? You get up, you harvest. You have a time frame to bring it in. They have seasons of great busyness. But they also have seasons of rest sown in. I think there's a lesson in life for us in this. Everybody goes through seasons of busyness. A season of busyness isn't necessarily harmful. But a life of sustained busyness is destructive. It is destructive. It is destructive for your soul, your walk with Jesus. It is destructive for your walk with Jesus. It is destructive for your children. Whatever you do, don't put your children on the world's exhausting, soul-crushing treadmill of busyness. Sometimes when we're really, really busy, we spend a lot of times, we spend a lot of time doing a lot of things, and we ignore the most important things. Live life at the pace of Jesus following him. There are, um, as dads, there are some things that, that we can do, there are some things that only God can do, and there are some things that God possible dads can learn to do as they follow Jesus walking by the Spirit. Six things here real quick. Guys, if you have a camera, I would encourage you to take a picture of it. I think it's worth looking back on. By the way, if you don't like the things on the screen, that's fine. Just look up the Scriptures and do what the Scriptures tell you. But this is worth taking home. This is worth thinking about more. You can be a God-possible dad if you will follow Jesus in all things, living the Christ life while walking by the Spirit. You can be a God-possible dad if you will love your wife as Christ loves the church. You can be a God-possible dad if you teach your children to love well. You can be a God-possible dad if you build up your family with encouraging words. You can be a God-possible dad if you lead the way in worship. And you can... Be a God-possible dad if you will live life at the pace of Jesus, neither rushing ahead nor lagging behind. I, I you know, the, the Old Testament ends with a very, uh, it, it ends with these words that feel really sobering. Um, but I believe that through Jesus, we can be a blessing to our children, our grandchildren, our wives, our families. Let's pray. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are, as we sang earlier, you are our good, good father. Uh, And God, we are loved by you. I am not first and foremost a pastor. I am not first and foremost a, a, a husband or a father. I am first and foremost your child, your beloved child. Thank you. Thank you, God, that you are a perfect father, even when I'm not. 
Thank you, God, that you're a perfect father, even when my dad wasn't. But a really, really good dad. Wow. God, thank you for the father-in-law you've given me. A man who has done nothing but bless me with his words. Never, never discouraging me. Only encouraging me. Building me up. God, I want to thank you for my father-in-law. God, I want to thank you for friends. Friends like Matt and others here in this church and outside this church. Men who, because of their commitment, their friendship, uh, have blessed me and I'm a better man because of them. And God, I pray for every man in this room. I pray for every person watching online that they will follow Jesus and give him first place in all things. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'll turn it over. But real quick, let me just say this. Guys, any one of you, if you want to get better as a husband or a dad, I will meet with you. You just tell me when. If you can't do it at 4 o'clock on on Wednesday afternoons, you just tell me what's good for you. I will meet with you. I will encourage you. I will build you up. But I will meet with you. If you want to meet one time, that's fine. If you want to meet once a month, I'll meet with you once a month. If you want to meet every week, I'll meet with you every week. If you want to follow Jesus and if you want to be a better husband and father. All right. I'll turn it over. Thank you, Gary. Let's stand together, church, and let's worship. Whoops. That's the wrong thing. There we go. There we go. <laughs> let's worship our awesome God together one more time. Hope you have a wonderful time today celebrating Father's Day. Let's sing, Where Can We Run? Oh, where can we hide? Is there a place that we can go where you cannot find us? You're there when we fall. Oh, you're there when we rise. Nothing is hidden from your face. Yes, you know every breath we take. Your love, your love has found us, your love has found us, we are yours forever. Your love has found us, and it's all around us, holding us together. Nothing on earth, nothing on earth, above or below, nothing in all the universe can take us from your love, you come to us, made us your own, you have redeemed us from the fall. Pay the ransom once for all. Your love, your love has found us. Your love has found us. We are yours forever. Your love has found us. It's all around us, holding us. One more time. Your love has found us. Your love has found us. We are yours forever. 
Your love has found us. It's all around us, holding us together. And we will, and we will sing because your love has found us. Even in the darkest night, we'll sing because your love has set us free. Yes, we will sing because your love has found us even in the darkest night. We'll sing because your love has set us free. Yes, we will. And we're going to call it a day right there. We thank you so very much for being with us. On your way out, some dad's root beer. Gary's holding up the bottle right there for all our dads. Looks like we might have enough for everybody, actually. Enjoy a root beer on us. Have a wonderful day.